0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Happy Friday, one and all. And because it's Friday, that means we've got another very, very fun show. Well, I guess I shouldn't have said, because it's Friday, we have another fun show for you. Because every show is very fun, right? Right? Yeah. Well, the show is going out on July 9th, but on July 8th, I did not realize how many important sports events went on on July 8th in the past. I never realized this before, but my social media feed was blowing up with stuff that happened on July 8th. And there were two things in particular that are very, very big moments in sports history. The first one we're going to talk about rocked the world. And I'm not exaggerating this at all. I guess you could say both of them rocked the world. But this one almost tore the fabric of American sports as we know it in half. Now, I'm not saying I'm the biggest basketball fan anymore, the biggest fan of the NBA. The Bulls have been bad for a fairly long time. I'll watch them every now and again when they're on TV. Like, I love Zach Levine. I love that Billy Donovan's the head coach. I love Nikola Vucevic. Really like Kobe White, hoping to get Lonzo Ball this offseason, but we'll see how that goes. But this, this was the thing that kept the aforementioned Chicago Bulls from reaching their destiny, the NBA final. 11 years ago, to this day, to this day, as Deontay Wilder said. And I, but before we get into that, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury is postponed. Tyson Fury has COVID-19. So fantastic. It was coming up on July 24th. So we were very close to the trilogy, which is doesn't really need to happen. We, I think Unless something insane happens or Tyson Fury just takes nothing seriously this fight. It should go very similar to what happened last time. I don't expect, I don't think most people expect Deontay Wilder to pose much of a threat to Tyson Fury in this one, especially with how bad he was beaten in that fight and Fury Wilder too. This is all hoping to get the eventual Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury fight, which seems inevitable at this point, but I think it's more likely, and I've talked about this before, it's more likely that Anthony Joshua loses... To Alexander Usyk, than it is to Tyson Fury to lose Deontay Wilder. That's my opinion. I could be completely wrong about that. We've seen Anthony Joshua lose fights he shouldn't, and the one that he should never have lost, who is not at the level of Usyk, good fighter. I like Andy Ruiz a lot. I love the transformation he's had. I love that he's back in boxing. Anthony Joshua should have never lost that fight, <laughs> never. And the fact that he I know he won in very convincing fashion the time they played they fought the second time. The fact they didn't knock him out is not great. So I expect Joshua to beat Usyk. I think there's a very strong chance that Joshua would lose. There I there's a very minimal chance that Tyson Fury loses while wilder, but that'll be postponed to a later date. It happened today. So another big thing that's happened on July eighth. Tyson Fury gets te- tests positive for COVID nineteen and the fight has been postponed. Lord knows when it's gonna be postponed to But that will be coming out very shortly, I would assume. But LeBron James, on this day 11 years ago, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. Had a whole ESPN show dedicated to the decision. Where will LeBron James play? I will never forget sitting in my Nana and Papa's living room watching this whole show go take place Oh, LeBron won't leave Cleveland, oh LeBron won't do this. LeBron was supposed to be in Chicago with the Bulls with D Wade and combined with Derrick Rose to win a title for Chicago. But it happened like that. That was all over the tabloids. It was all over magazines at the gas stations. It was LeBron James in a Chicago Bulls jersey. LeBron James in a Knicks jersey. You didn't really see a lot of LeBron James in Heat jerseys at least from the magazines that I saw in the state of Iowa. But man, this rocked the sports world and I remember going to I think it was called Incredible Pizza here in Des Moines they had like go-karts arcades it was a fun place no longer exists but I remember being there and watching a Cleveland Indians game It was on the TV and there was a burnt LeBron James jersey it was coming up to the time LeBron's first game in Cleveland when the Cavaliers were a shell of the team they once were with their best player best player ever in their franchise gone playing for the Miami Heat with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. And we forgot about Joel Anthony, but he was there as well. That was my J. Dragon background for a little bit. It was Derrick Rose posterizing Joel Anthony, the weird, one of the weirdest starts, starters in the NBA right behind Keith Bogans, who started all 82 games in Derrick Rose's MVP season. And he averaged like six points a game, but play, the only time he ever started all 82 games, I think it's the only time he played all 82 games. Let alone started all 82 games. Very nice role player. Not a starter, which is why they replaced him the very next offseason with Rip Hamilton, <laughs> which did not pan out in the long run. But man, that was massive. And I'm not... I i know there's... So I get asked this question a little bit, not a lot, but oh, who do you think is to go? My opinion, it's Jordan. But you could go all day on either side of that thing and have your own opinions about it. And whoever you go up to, and they like LeBron James or they like Michael Jordan they hate the other one. I don't really hate LeBron James. I could really care less about LeBron James. I was one of the kids that did go out and buy a LeBron James Heat jersey, like the shirt jersey thing. Did I wear it? No, because I felt weird after I bought it. <laughs> I did not like it once I had it. And yeah, I don't hate LeBron James. I really could care less. I, he doesn't affect me either or. I don't hate him. I don't love him. He's, I'm kind of just neutral about it at this point. But you're gonna get some people that really hate LeBron James. I hate. I was thinking about this today. I saw this in the comments on. Uh, we'll talk about this later. But it was in England. It was the England game. It was a penalty. Was this a penalty? Or is what's Gareth Southgate saying to Jack Grealish as he's coming in? And the whole comment section was basically, or not the whole thing, but there was a fair few comments going Mickey Mouse tournament. That is, I hate that. It doesn't matter if it's a Mickey Mouse tournament or if it's not real tournament. Or you didn't play tough teams. You still had to win. That's just how the tournament shaped out. They knew this two years ago that this is how the tournament would be played. This wasn't like this was a whole big deal. If this was played last year, I don't think England's anywhere close to the final. You don't have the likes of Harry Maguire hitting his fine form. John Stones isn't even in the team. Luke Shaw's not even in the team. Is Jack Grealish in the team? Maybe. I don't know if he was really a key figure for England at that point. Awesome for Aston Villa, but Gareth Southgate wasn't really picking him. You would have seen Eric Dyer. Still on the team. You would definitely have not seen Trent Alexander-Arnold even on the preliminary squad, <laughs> because for some reason, he didn't like playing him then either. You wouldn't have had, I don't think Phil Foden would have been there. I don't think Bukayo Saka would have been there. I don't think Calvin Phillips would have been there. There's a lot of players on that England team that would not be there if this tournament was not postponed. England did benefit more than every single team in this tournament, especially even the fact that they played all their games at home. But... Man, Mickey Mouse tournament, or you had an easy road to the final, doesn't matter. Dumb phrase, stupid, you got there either way. Because what would have happened if you lost to Denmark? What if England did lose to Denmark? Did Denmark have a Mickey Mouse final? I mean, they beat the same number of quality teams as England did. England beat Germany, who came second in their group. Denmark beat Wales and Czech Republic. So would they have had a Mickey Mouse road to the final? No, because people like Denmark, because the whole Christian Eriksen thing, very wholesome story that's going on with Denmark. Why is that not a Mickey Mouse final then? <laughs> I don't, the, the term doesn't make a lot of sense. It goes towards teams and people that people don't really like. LeBron James is a very polarizing figure in the world of sports. You either like him or you hate him. The Yankees are professional sports. Probably the most loved and most hated athlete on the face of the planet. And the people that hate him and the people that love him both have the reasons. And I could definitely see both sides to the story. I'm just impartial to them. But that story was freaking massive. When he announced, I'm going to take my town to South Beach, Cleveland blew up. And you saw the, like, conveyor belts of LeBron James Heat jerseys just coming in. And then later, I don't know if it's... Well, I guess I don't know if it was later before. Chris Bosh says he's going there. And... Does a really nice job becoming the third wheel after being the man in Toronto. Does a great job playing that third wheel for the Miami Heat. The Heatles as they were called. Now, that first press conference was awful. We're not going to win one, or two, or three. or uh, No, not four, not five. Dumbest press conference I think of, or, or opening press conference ever. LeBron James saying all that, but whatever. And then also on this day, seven years ago... I would say the world of sports blew up a little bit more for this because it was on a national stage, not necessarily. I know ESPN's a national stage, but people mostly in America care about the Miami Heat and LeBron James. Now, there is the National Basketball Association. There are people outside of the league that like the Heat and like LeBron James. But man, not as many people watch that (laughs) as the 7-1 demolition Uh, Brazil against Germany on home soil the World Cup semi-finals 7-1 as opposed to LeBron James thing I was in my grandparents basement watching this monstrosity unfold before my eyes no idea what was going on the entire time Thiago Silva got a very stupid yellow card in the game before so he was suspended for the game he was he blocked the ball the goalie from punting the ball field got a yellow card for it, got suspended for this game. That's your captain. Which is why Brazil has a rotating captaincy now. It's because, mostly because of that. And then Neymar hurts his back. He gets a knee to the back and is out for the final. And then Brazil acted like he freaking died and held up his jersey for the game. He just hurt his back. Now, Italy did that for Spinozola. But Neymar was back and running fairly soon. Spinozola's got a torn Achilles. So it's a little bit, little bit different. But 7-1 was never close. If you do... If you're listening to this show and you hear me talk about this, look up Fred. Yes, his name's Fred, the striker for Brazil. Look at his heat map for that game. He rarely left the center circle because all he was doing was kickoffs. Brazil rarely had an attack. Brazil was always getting attacked on, and all they were doing was kicking the ball off. Absolute demolition. I remember hearing Thomas Muller saying they wanted to stop. They, they took their foot off the gas. And they still scored seven goals. Brazil was defeated in this game. And that's why you saw a lot of these players either never play for the national team again or have rarely played for the national team again. If you look at the starting lineup from this game, none of those players are key figures on Brazil anymore. Fred was, should have never been in the first place. Bernard, not really anymore. That was like his first... I think that was his first start for Brazil, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. Oscar... No. He moved to China and basically sold his soul, and now he's not anywhere near that. Hulk? Nope. Luis Gustavo? Nope. Fernandinho? He's kind of around. He's just a little bit older now, but he was one of the people that I guess you could say was around a little bit longer than the rest of the starting 11. Marcelo? Nope. Got replaced basically by Felipe Luiz as the starting left back for Brazil a few years after that. Then he had Dante? No. David Luiz? No. Uh, Mykon, No. And then Julio Cesar? No, <laughs> no, none of these players are really near the national team fixture. 7-1. I'll start with Thomas Muller in the 11th minute, followed by Mario Cl- Murosov Klose in the 23rd minute, broke the World Cup record for goals scored in a tournament, for the tournament. He passed Ronaldo. Very fitting he did that against Brazil in Brazil. Then you have Tony Cruz in the 24th minute, Tony Cruz in the 26th minute, Sammy Cardier in the 29th minute, and then Andre Sherlot in the 69th and 79th minute. Seven to frickin' one. This game was so bad, it's got its own Wikipedia page. You don't see a lot of World Cup semifinals have their own Wikipedia page. You have, when you go on Wikipedia and look up a tournament, usually it's like World Cup knockout stage, and you click on that and it'll go through all of like a tiny like a paragraph of what went on before the game, during the game and after the game. This is a full-blown Wikipedia page. fully published, it's got pictures and everything. Fifty-eight thousand people were in attendance for this game. 7-1. And uh, Germany obviously went on to play Argentina in the final, beat Lionel Messi in the late stages of that game with the Mario goats to strike and lift the World Cup. It was a miserable, miserable game. And then they got actually shit stomped in the third place game. Why did they even play the third place game? No idea. Lost three nothing the Netherlands. Don't know why that was played. You had to go from Robin van Persie, Daley Blinn, and Jeannie Wijnaldum. That game, the third place games are stupid anyways. They're not really for anything. I mean, yeah, I'm playing for a bronze medal. Good. Job. I mean, sick. And especially for Brazil, coming off that game in that fashion, you lost your last two games of the World Cup by a combined score of ten to one. Brazil didn't want to play this game. <laughs> they were not in the mental state to play. This game, <laughs> yet it had a whole Wikipedia page. Like you look at the semifinals for this, it has a semifinal bracket, and it has the what the set and what it happened. It talks about a little bit of Brazil, a little bit about Germany. Right before that main article, Brazil versus Germany, 2014 FIFA World Cup. Click it, whole full blown published page for that game. One of the craziest games I've watched, and. That's also the same World Cup that Spain absolutely got thrashed. <laughs> what was it? 5-1 by the Netherlands? Right after they just won Euro 2012 and Netherlands had an absolute shit show of Euro 2012 where they finished last in their group? <laughs> this was, that was so unexpected. I was painting houses and got allowed to leave early so I could watch that game because I was so excited to watch Netherlands versus, versus Spain. The 2010 World Cup Finals rematch. A lot of the same players were on both teams. And the Dutch destroyed them. Chabi Alonso scored a penalty early. Spain was up. Looked like a typical Spain game. Not very entertaining to watch, but they were gonna get the job done. And then the header. <laughs> and you should know exactly what I'm talking about when I say the header. Daly blends ball forward to Robin Van Persie, who does a beautiful diving header over Iker Casillas to level the game, and the game flipped just like that. And Spain were out of the World Cup shortly after that, finishing third in the group behind Chile, and everybody was pretty much gone for after that. <laughs> you had one player on the Euro 2020s team that was on that team, and that was Sergio Busquets. I mean, Sergio Ramos would, should have been on the team, but he wasn't. The only player you had that was on that roster that lost 5-1 to in the Netherlands was Sergio Busquets. Or maybe not, in 2010 at least, or 2012, that was the last player they've had that's on the roster. Well, I know Jordi Alba was on the 2012 roster, and he played in the 2010 World Cup. (laughs) That's what I'm meaning to say. Now I'm thinking about it, Jordi Alba made his debut in the 2012 Euros and signed for Barcelona from Valencia that offseason. So it was like the entire starting lineup was either from Real Madrid or Barcelona, except for David Silva, who played at Man City at the time. But good Lord, what a day in sports history on July 8th we just thought oh in 2014 you're just like oh man this is the three-year anniversary of when LeBron James or not three year well however many years ago that was the four-year anniversary of when LeBron James announced he was going to Miami well let's add something else but on a more national stage let's one-up it a little bit and then in 2021 you're going like well well, let's do this a little bit let's have Tyson Fury test positive for COVID and cancel the fight and postpone it to a later date I mean that's not as big but you know what it's pretty big we'll count it for July 8th being an absolute horror show of a day Good frickin Lord but man we have got we're gonna stick on the topic of soccer because we've got a lot of soccer this weekend very very excited for this weekend in soccer if you don't like soccer, I apologize in advance this is not a other sports show this is a strictly soccer based show so if you don't like the sport get the hell out. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. That's what we're going to do. That's our little mantra for this show today. But man, we've got some fun matchups this week. We're going to go to the big one last, but we're going to start it off with Brazil versus Argentina and the Copa America. This is what a title is supposed to look like. We'll get to the big one later. I know, you're th- I know you- your mind should be working. I mean like, oh man, the big one should be Argentina Brazil. What's, what's the big one now? Well, you'll have to wait and see. This final is everything, and I am scared to death of this final. Because if you know me, and if you listened to the last show, I guess, and just know me in general, Lionel Messi is my, one of my favorite players of all time. He's the unquestioned GOAT in my eyes, and if you think otherwise, I'm sorry. I can't really help you on that front. But this game, whew, it's a mountain to climb. Let's just say it like that. We already brought up the 2014 World Cup where they lost to Germany in the extra time with Mario Goats' goal. Then lost back-to-back Cope Americas on penalties, and the Messi retired from international play. Now he's back. He's smiling. He's had an insane tournament. He's responsible for nine goals or something like that. Nine of Argentina's 11 goals or something like that. This tournament have been assisted or scored by Lionel Messi. I don't know if that's the exact stat. I don't know if they scored 11, but I feel like I saw that somewhere. (laughs) So I'm going to say it now and say it confidently so it sounds right. But man... Ugh... It's an uphill battle here for Argentina. Argentina, as a team, outside of Lionel Messi, have played better than they have at any tournament up until this point in regards to actually producing at a major tournament. Like, obviously, you went to the final in the 2014 World Cup, but you still had huge misses from the likes of Gonzalo Higuain and others. This one, the people are taking their chances. Lautaro Martinez has been awesome for Argentina this tournament. He scored three goals, the second most in this tournament, behind... Lionel Messi, Rodri- Rodrigo de Pau, uh, G- Guido Rodriguez, Alejandro Gomez, they've all put in goals as well for this tournament for Argentina. They are playing very, very well. Now, if I add that up real quick, so we got 7, 9, okay, 11. Yeah, 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 I was right. <laughs> I was right on that. 9 of his 11, 9 of 11 goal scored for Argentina are for Messi. But they're playing well. El Emiliano Martinez is the best goalie they've had. In the 2010s, I like Sergio Sergio Romero a lot. Is he better than Emiliano Martinez is right now? No. I think Sergio Romero's peak was good. One of the best backups in the world at the time. But that's the key. One of the best backups in the world. Like Chase Bryce was the best backup in college football. And then he started at Duke and did absolutely nothing. Jacoby Brissett was the best backup in the NFL, signed a deal right after Andrew Luck retired, got benched the very next season, had a very good start to the season, sucked the rest of it. Nick Foles, another one, probably the most legendary backup in NFL history, won a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles as a role player, as a situational quarterback, I should have said. Signs a massive deal in Jacksonville. He's up to Chicago in the next year, and now he's the third string by Nanny Dalton and Justin Fields. Frank Reich, another example. One of the best backups ever, especially in the 90s. Best backup in the 90s. Goes to Carolina and the New York Jets. Goes to another team as well. I can't remember. Does absolutely nothing. Like, cool. You're a great backup. You haven't started consistently in a very long time, and you're not literally looking like you're hunting for an opportunity to start somewhere. Which is what my big issue with Sergio Romero was. Great backup. Great backup. But never took an opportunity when he did have a long, long-term starting situation at Manchester United. When David De Gea was either injured or had the whole fax situation. When the facts didn't go through from Manchester United and Real Madrid which stopped him going from Real Madrid. Romero never took that. But David De Gea was the best goalkeeper at the time. But you think at that, st- that stage, he would have played well enough to where he deserves the starting job somewhere. Now he's just pissed off because Dean Henderson jumped him in the pecking order, and now he's finally gone. So we'll see if he starts somewhere now. But Emiliano Martinez has been great, as seen in the penalty shootout against Colombia. The shit-talking was top top here, and backed it up. Backed it up. But man, you look at Brazil's roster, Argentina, Emiliano Martinez, however good he's been this tournament, it's been fantastic. He's third string on Brazil. And that's not, saying, that's not saying a lot because Brazil have two of the top three goalies in the freaking world on their current roster in Ederson and Allison, And then I'd say Jan Oblak's right up there as well as the second or third best goalkeeper in the world. In my opinion, Allison's the best goalie in the world even though Ederson has been starting for Brazil as of late. He started in their last game against Peru. I don't know if he'll start again in the final. Time will tell on that. But, man... He's third string there. Defense, Brazil's just rotating people left, right, and center. <laughs> Christian Romero and Nicolas Otamendi are nice defenders, but they're not Thiago Silva. They're not Marquinhos. They're not Eder Militao. They're not that level of player. I like some of the players that they have at on display for Argentina. I like Nicolas Tagliafico, but where is he? Is he better than Alexandro or Renan Lodi? Is he? If he is, it's very close. Very, very close. Uh, Danilo, he's better than the right backs they got that I can think of right now. Then in midfield, I like Rodrigo Paul, I like Giovanni Lo Celso. I like Leandro Paredes. But Casemiro, arguably the best holding midfielder in the world right next to Angolo Conte and Jorginho. Like, that's saying a lot. Dude's an absolute beast. Fred, eh, okay, I could give Argentina some of the other players in midfield. I like Rodrigo DePaul a lot. Uh Fabinho, he's just back up to Casemiro, so that's kind of <laughs> unfortunate circumstances there. But then you got Lucas Piqueta. you've got Douglas Luiz, Aston Villa. They've got a very nice midfield and then attack. Lorado Martinez, Sergio Aguero, an older Sergio Sergio Aguero are nice players. But Neymar's there. Richarlison, Gabriel Jesus, Vinicius, Everton, Roberto Firmino, and Gabriel Barbosa. Gabigol is finally back and firing a little bit. Now, they will not have Gabriel Jesus in the final against Argentina for, for obvious reasons, for cleating a dude straight to the face. If you want to go find that clip, you can go search it on YouTube. It's a pretty hilarious clip, if I do say so myself, and completely unexpected when you're looking at the player. But man. There's a statistic going around that Brazil has never lost the Copa America in which they have hosted or never lost a... Yeah, because they lost the World Cup. But this is a tall task for Argentina. My gut says Brazil wins. My heart says Argentina wins. My head says, please, Argentina. <laughs> it's not that Messi needs this. Messi, to me, does not need this. I think Messi is, un- is aware that he does not need this to define his legacy. Messi is past the point of having to prove people wrong, or prove people right, or whatever. This is just for the idiots on Twitter, <laughs> which you can say there about a lot of people on social media, but there are a lot of really dumb people out there that really surprise me with how stupid they are. And that situation regarding Messi and international trophies is one of those situations. It is a ridiculous argument to make, and a stupid one at that as well. He does not need an international trophy to be the greatest player of all time. He is the greatest player of all time. This isn't like basketball, where you can have one player basically carry a team. Like Stephen A. Smith. It's a different sport, but he went on a rant about the Edmonton Oilers and Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid. Cool. They're two centers. They've got other defensemen. They've got other lines they got to deal with. they got goalie situations that are not great. I McDavid mean, had the greatest season in the twenty first, <laughs> the twenty tens at least, great season for Connor McDavid. We already knew he's the best player on the planet in regards to hockey, and then he does that, and then they lose in the first. They lose, get swept, I believe, in the first round of the playoffs. If I remember correctly, I'm my sorry, my memory's a little hazy. And screw you, Tampa Bay Lightning. I almost said congratulations, but I don't mean that. Screw you, Tampa Bay. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say about Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup. But Stephen A. Smith went on a rant about. Is Conor McDavid really that great if Edmonton can't beat, I think it was Winnipeg? It's like, there's a little bit sir. you're comparing it to basketball, it's a little bit different. Because I think he did try to use it as like, the Lakers AD and LeBron James, they won a championship. You can go a little bit easier with having two good players on a basketball team than two good players on a hockey team. It's a little different. That's the same thing with soccer. Messi has been on a team that has very nice attacking players. That do not perform at international level. You can look up the stats yourself or watch the games yourself. They just don't. Sergio Aguero is one of the greatest strikers in the Premier League's ever seen. The great one of the greatest strikers of all time. For Argentina, it just doesn't seem to click. Most of the time, when he was playing, it seemed like he was just coming off the bench for Gonzalo Higuain when he wasn't firing all, all cylinders. They would rotate starting positions, but. 2014, I remember Gonzalo Higuaín starting a little bit more. Now my memory could be wrong about that. Maybe if you look at it closer, Agüero started more games, but as I remember it, Gonzalo Higuaín was the starter up top for Argentina in the 2014 World Cup. It's a little bit different. Having one good player in soccer is a little bit different than having one good player in basketball. A little different. That's why Kendrick Perkins' comments about the NBA or the NBA championships harder to win than a Super Bowl It's stupid. (laughs) It's a dumb argument to make. You can literally have one good player and win a championship. It has been done numerous times throughout the history of basketball. You cannot have one good player in football and win a championship. You can't have one good player in soccer and win a championship. It doesn't happen. You're going to need your teammates to step up because, unlike basketball, the player is just playing offense. (laughs) You're not playing offense and defense which makes it a very nice team-oriented sport where you count on your teammates a lot. But man, he doesn't need it. I think he's just having a very fun tournament. He looks happy. It doesn't look like he's carrying the weight of a country on his shoulders anymore. He looks happy, and that makes me happy. So I hope that Argentina top Brazil here. I like Brazil a lot. I love Neymar. I need Argentina to win this. I need Argentina to win this, so I can laugh at people on Twitter. If they don't, does it change my opinion if Messi's the greatest of all time? No, because that doesn't change what's right now. He still hasn't won an international tournament as we are sitting here right now. (laughs) If he doesn't win one on Sunday or Saturday, it's the same, we're still sitting in the same situation. But yeah, my gut says Brazil, my heart and head say, or my heart says Argentina, my head says, let's just have a fun game. But yeah, the next game that we got on our docket this weekend is the Euro 2020 final. Yes, as we talked about kind of earlier, England defeated Denmark in extra time, two to one. A Simeon Kiar own goal set up by Bakaio Saka and Raheem Sterling. And then a questionable penalty by Harry Kane. Not, not not necessarily questionable from Harry Kane. Terrible penalty from Harry Kane. That can go. Un- that, that is <laughs> that will go undisputed. But good rebound. And then Raheem Sterling, questionable call on that. But great goal. Great goal from Darnsgaard. One of the best goals of the tournament. Knuckleball free kick. Should Pickford have done better with it? Yes. But great free kick nonetheless. Shocked everybody. I saw a comparison today that was Kieran Trippier's free kick against Croatia in the semifinals of the 2018 World Cup. Shocked everybody. It came out of freaking nowhere. Kieran Trippier's free kick, in my opinion, was a lot better than this one, but that's neither here nor there. Shocked the team. Shocked everybody. It was earlier than what people are expecting. I know the 30th minute's not early, but it was earlier than what I was expecting for Denmark to score. And then England bounced back. Now the penalty, that whole situation, in my opinion, it wasn't a penalty, but I can see where he was coming from. He was behind the play. I don't think there was enough there to overturn the call. It's kind of a situation like with a call on the field. Is there a clear and obvious error there, which is what VAR is like mantra is? Clear and obvious error. We gotta point out the clear and obvious errors. Was there one there? Not in my opinion. Again, do I think it's a penalty? No. But doesn't change the fact that the call on the field was. And then Harry Kane, terrible penalty, easily saved, and then rebounded. Now there are two other situations that happened. During this whole ordeal, that makes it a little more interesting. The first thing was there were two balls on the field when Raheem Sterling was fouled. Play should have been stopped. <laughs> if we're being honest, play should have been stopped. The ball, I didn't see it live. I've seen it on Twitter and I've seen people uh, like highlights of live streams. The kickoff, I think I brought them up on here before. They do a lot of live streams watching soccer and they are English. So they're obviously watching the England versus Denmark game. And he brought it up while they're watching the game. I didn't see it live. And then the laser pointer on Casper Schmeichel. That one, now the ball thing, that should have been over and done with. The laser pointer thing is wrong, but he still saved the penalty. That is a valid argument if he didn't save it. Because I remember a few years ago, Wayne Rooney had a laser pointer shined in his eye during a penalty shootout and missed the penalty. Casper Schmeichel still saved the penalty. That didn't change anything. Now, does the should the fan be punished for that? Whoever did this, of course. That's an idiot idiotic thing to do. I know you're trying I know your intentions were were to bet were good because I'm assuming you were an English fan you're hoping that Harry that would affect Kasper Schmeichel in some way. It didn't. Still saved it because it was a horrific penalty from Harry Kane, who's usually I don't know, top 5 penalty taker in the world. Cuz so you would if I had to go through the penalty takers on the world right now. Jorginho's number 1 in my opinion. Jorginho Rarely he's every goal he scored this year for Chelsea was a penalty. Dude never missed the penalty. See how cool the penalty was against Spain in the semifinal. Great great penalty taker. Bruno Fernandez is definitely up there as well. Similar style of run up to Jorginho, but he doesn't do the jump as often. There are times where Bruno Fernandez will switch it up a little bit and do a normal run up, but he does do that and he scores a lot of penalties until Carl Carl Darlow, I think from Newcastle United saved his first penalty in forever. So, yeah, that was. I'd put him at two. Harry Kane, I think, has to go at number three. He's a great penalty taker. I was shocked (laughs) that he missed it. I would put then Messi and Ronaldo at number four and five. You can put them in whatever order you want. Ronaldo's nickname is Pinaldo, but that's another stupid nickname that goes out there. I'm not. Ronaldo's not the GOAT to me and most normal people out there, but people that just kind of put him down, it's the same people that don't rate LeBron. Like, if you don't rate LeBron the GOAT, you have to at least accept that he's the second greatest player of all time. You can't be an idiot and go, he's not even top 10. What the hell does that even mean? Of course he's top 10. He's number two. <laughs> I remember seeing a list a few years ago. We talked, or no, last year, during COVID, when COVID was kicking off, we did that Stay Woke Wednesday thing. There was a thing that had Tim Duncan as the greatest first overall pick of all time. Uh, LeBron James still exists. <laughs> That's not true. Tim Duncan, in my opinion, is the greatest power forward of all time. Doesn't make him the best number one overall pick because the second greatest player of all time was taken first overall. So that kind of defeats that. Same thing with Ronaldo. Does he cherry pick goals? Yeah, but is the nickname Pinaldo really dead, really circ- Is that really what do I, what's the word I want to look for? Is that the word that really you could point to that and go, yeah, that's all Ronaldo does? No. I think Ronaldo's a very goal-driven striker at this point. Now he's a goal-thirsty striker, just a poacher. But he's not just penalties. He's terrible at free kicks. He's not very creative anymore. He doesn't really provide as much assist anymore. But he can score a crap ton of goals. Insane number of goals. That's all he does at this point in time. But Ronaldo is a dumb, 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 dum, dumb nickname. But Harry Kane, again, jeez, horrible. I've said that about five times because it was it was really bad. <laughs> But he scored it on the rebound, which it is hard <laughs> scoring that on the rebound, getting it over Casper Schmeichel, make sure he doesn't save it. They kicked the ball right at Casper Schmeichel during the game. I think it was Raheem Sterling, right at him, so dude can make himself big. And yeah, got it past him. England won the game. They very much they controlled the game after they got the penalty. They kept the ball away from Denmark for about five straight minutes before Calvin Phillips played it out of bounds. <laughs> like they gave the ball back to Denmark pretty much. Jordan Pickford. Not his best game. I think you can make the argument that he's been the best goalkeeper in this tournament. That there are people that are going to dispute that because they don't like Jordan Pickford or rate him that necessarily that highly, especially with his Everton form. But he's had a very nice tournament. They It was kind of ironic that they brought up the clean sheet, the number of minutes without a goal scored, and then they score a worldly free kick that really he should again, should have done better on. But him, I'd say Jan Sommer... I would put... I'd still put Casper Schmeichel up there. Luigi Donnarumma as well. Uh, Hirecki. Hirdecki. The goalkeeper for Finland and Bayer Leverkusen. I can't remember how to say his name, but he should be up there as well. Yeah. Those are my goal. I Jordan Pickford's got a real good shout. He's had a very good tournament, but that was not his best game. But congratulations to England going on the face. Italy. That game will be at 2 o'clock on Sunday on ESPN. And then you're going to have Argentina versus Brazil on fs1 on, Sunday, on saturday at six so you got two really great final matchups right there england italy brazil argentina these are very predictable finals right here <laughs> i mean a lot of people might have been skeptics about england going into the tournament minding myself included especially when you looked at like brazil's roster or portugal's roster and go wow I have a hard time believing that they'd come anything lower than second in this group. And if they came second, I think they could be England. And then they absolutely crapped the bed in this tournament. They were awful. For how good of players they have, them and France, I don't know which one's the bigger disappointment. They're both pretty equal. France losing to Switzerland was a insane, but Portugal's awful at times. That game against Germany, Awful. Awful. You would not have guessed that Ruben Diaz was a player, Premier League player of the tournament, <laughs> player of the season, and a Premier League team of the season member. Watching that game, or just watching this tournament in general, Bruno Fernandez, same thing. You would not think he's one of the best midfielders in the world if you watched this tournament. Awful, arguably Brazil's or jeez, I did it again. Portugal's worst player throughout the tournament was Bruno Fernandez, and that's coming from a Manchester United fan. But yeah, England didn't really. Th- I, high expectations were for England this uh, this tournament. You looked at the squad. They have a very young squad. We talked about Kyle Walker is the oldest player on the squad. He's 31 years old, so it's a very young team. And Kyle Walker should realistically be around for the 2022 World Cup. Like, there's no player in this squad that will age out of this tournament. <laughs> you have a lot of teams that do that. Belgium will have a lot of players age out. Italy might have a few players age out. England will not have that. That's the benefit of having a very young team... And now you've just gained a crap ton of experience getting all the way to a tournament final. Don't care how you got there. You got there. That's all that really matters. And England, realistically, should win this game. But Italy, they haven't lost in 33 straight games. Before they conceded a goal to Austria, I think they went 12 games without conceding. So that could be wrong. So You can look that up yourself. Don't, don't quote me on that one. But they're two games behind Spain and Brazil two legendary teams, and those two stretches, you should know exactly what stretches I'm talking about, in regards to winning streaks, or not losing streaks, I guess. They're tough. But England, this could be going down to the level of opponent as well. I think England's finding their stride a little bit. Raheem Sterling's been the player of the tournament for England this year. Uh, but Saka has been a very nice spark for the first 60 minutes of the game, 60, 65 minutes, however long he says he plays. Then Jack Grealish comes on. Like, their bench... Is ridiculous. You should not be allowed to have Bakaya Saka start and then have Phil Ford and Jack Grealish, James and Sancho and Marcus Rashford coming on. You see that game against Ukraine, all the players that came on? That's sickening. Jordan Henderson's coming off the bench. Premier League Champions League winning captain is coming off the bench. <laughs> you have Reese James coming off the bench. You have Kieran Trippier coming off the bench. Like, this, that's not fair. Their depth, if you're looking at the two teams, England's is better. England has a lot more depth than Italy. I think Italy has a few very, very nice players. been being out is going to be huge. I'm intrigued to see how England attacks that right side of the field with Emerson there, who has not gotten a ton of playing time for Chelsea over the past few seasons, really ever since moving to Chelsea. Hasn't really done a lot of playing time there, but now that Spenazzola's out, he's kind of de facto left back. So we'll see how they attack him there. I fully expect Saka to start again, but I would not be surprised if Jaden Sancho started there as well. I don't think we'll see Phil Foden start there because I think that speed attacking Emerson will be big for this game for England. I don't know if they'll go to a back three in this game. I know they did that against Germany, but I think that was to counteract the fact that Germany also played with a back three and two wingbacks. But hey, it's a big game. England has done well playing with the back five or back three, however you look at it again. Great game against Germany. And then you played it all the way in the 20, 2018 World Cup. Played the 5-2-3, or 5-3-2. Now it's more of a 5-2-3. Whatever they play, it'll be tough. But I think, I I feel weird saying this. I think England will win. I think England will win this game. I'm going to say England wins 2-1. I think that they score decently early in this game. England, and then Federico Chiesa or Chirile Mobley, will score in like the 75th minute or something, and then England will either win it at extra time or win it late in the game. Because England loves to have possession late in the game. You saw the game against Spain. Italy kind of sat back when they were like, okay, let's play for extra time. They kind of sat back. Same thing when they were about to go to penalties. Italy stopped pressing. England will continue pressing, and I think their depth in attacking options will be huge in this game against Italy. Now, Italy's obviously got a ton of experience in the back. Chiellini, Bonucci, Donnarumma's had a great tournament, as we said. Jorginho bosses the midfield as well as Barella, Verratti, Manuel Locatelli. This battle in midfield is going to be interesting, because England, again, if they play the 4-2-3-1, Mason Mount, Jordan Henderson, does he come back in the starting fold? And if he does, who do you start him over? Declan Rice or Calvin Phillips? If Declan Rice is your sixth, I think you got to play Jordan Henderson as that de facto 8 even though it's a 2 in the midfield situation. If you want to play Henderson as your 6 because I think Phillips has had a better tournament than Rice, even though I think Henderson and Phillips play similar positions, that's what you got to I it's going to be hard not playing Jordan Henderson in this game with his big game experience. Obviously again, winning the Champions League, being in two Champions League finals, that experience is going to be key and that leadership on the field will be key. For England in this game. So I. I, I, Part of me thinks you have to start him, but I get not because of how good they've been without him starting and how good Phillips and Rice have been in this tournament. But man, 2 1 is my prediction for that game. But I didn't give a prediction for Brazil Argentina. I'm going to go 3 2. I'm not going to say a winner. (laughs) <laughs> i don't want to say a winner because my gut says port brazil she's like did it again they speak portuguese okay it's close enough my gut says brazil my heart says argentina do i go with my heart because i don't want to be i don't like being wrong when i do predictions it's one thing i always no one likes to be wrong in predictions but i take a lot of pride in getting predictions right as you saw with my mock draft where i got more rights more picks right than any other major you know draft expert or whatever but that's whatever 3-2 Argentina. I'm going to go with our, I'm going to go with my heart. <laughs> I'm going to go with my heart. Will that backfire? Probably. There's probably a 100% chance that it ends up being Italy and Brazil winning these tournaments. That's okay. I am content with that. I'm cheering for England and I'm cheering for Argentina, so sue me. Screw you. I don't really care. But the game that everybody's going to be tuned into on Sunday, 7:30 the United States of America versus Haiti in the Gold Cup 2021 the 2021 Gold Cup the biggest tournament on the face of planet earth this tournament kind of stupid i i the Gold Cup's dumb the whole process the whole thing behind the Gold Cup is just to have the United States and Mexico meet in the final that's the that's it and the entire thing if you look at the groups it's pretty much the same freaking groups Every single year because you have the big four in CONCACAF, which is like North America and the Latin American countries. And the big four, for those of you aren't aware, are Mexico, and the United States, Honduras, and Costa Rica. That's the big four. Now you have Panama that likes to be sneaky around these tournaments. You have Jamaica that likes to cause little problems in these tournaments. I'm intrigued a lot <laughs> to see what Canada does because they got a very nice team. They brought Jonathan they brought Afonso Davies, Davies to this tournament. <laughs> One of the best left backs in the world. One of the best attacking left backs in the world. Who's going to be playing as a winger for Canada? I don't expect him to play left back in this tournament at all. But they brought him. Jonathan David didn't make it, which I was kind of surprised about. I haven't heard anything about why Jonathan David didn't make it, but we'll see. But Canada, in the same group as the United States. And if you just look at this, <laughs> it's kinda of, you kind of look at it and go. I I should be able to predict which groups, what teams make it out. Like, if you can predict Group B, like Fox Soccer tweeted this out today toughest group in the Gold Cup. And I'll just read you out the groups. So, Group A, Curacao, El Salvador, Mexico, and Trinidad and Tobago. Group B is Canada, Haiti, Martinique, and the United States. Group C, Costa Rica, Guadalupe, Jamaica, and Suriname. And then Group D, Grenada. Honduras, Panama, and the most American country out of them all, Qatar, as a guest in this tournament. (laughs) Ah, Qatar being in this tournament is just so funny to me. They need to be in some tournament. They're not in any, they don't make any other tournaments, so (laughs) you got to put them in de facto somewhere, so they threw them in here. They were supposed to be in Copa America, but they kind of suctioned that down quite a bit because of the situation regarding the host countries and all of that and the COVID situation in South America which is a very peculiar story. The the Copa America in 2021 was supposed to be hosted jointly between, I think, Argentina and Colombia. Now, if you are unaware of, like, typical South American geography, (laughs) I would recommend that you look this up because if you look at it on a map, when you have host countries, like co-hosting a country, you have, like, Poland-Ukraine right next to each other. You have very, very close to each other. Argentina and Colombia are on the exact opposite side of South America. Why did that make any sense to have them as a two joint host country? Colombia is connected to Latin America. Argentina is basically touching Antarctica. (laughs) Like, they ain't very close to each other. If you didn't know this, go look it up so you can see it. That does not make any sense for a co-hosting tournament. And then one of these countries in South America, as I said, their COVID stuff is very bad. So you know what Camo Bowl and FIFA think? They're, they put their big brains together. So you know how much I've talked about and praised how much how good these organizations are. They go, "You know what? Brazil, they'll give us money." But sir, aren't Brazil's covid numbers the worst in like the freaking world? But they got money. So let's play the tournament in Brazil. Let's, let's screw that. We're gonna play it where they get we get paid, and that's exactly what happened. And They, like I said, brought the tournament down a lot, so Qatar and, I, uh, yeah, Qatar couldn't make the tournament, so yeah, they got shunted up to the Gold Cup. So yeah, awesome. Camo Bowl goes from hosting having co-host countries that are nowhere near each other to hosting in the most COVID-driven country in South America, in Brazil. So very interesting tactics there from camo and fifa but i enjoy it very much but yeah look at this tournament i mean mexico united states costa rica and honduras should win their groups it's fairly stupid to think they won't but panama should come in second in group d i think they have the best chance to upset the team on top panama does very well in the gold cup they like to be the upsetters they don't they want to be in that top four of the top teams in Concacaf. they're usually that number five team they're going to come in second in this group, but they'll be pushing Honduras the entire freaking way. I don't think that either one of them will have any problems with Granada and Qatar, but that game against those two will be big. And I would not be surprised if this goes down to goal difference for who wins Group D. Group C, I mean, same thing. Jamaica should come in second. Jamaica has somewhat of a decent history of being a an upsetter in these tournaments. They upset the United States a few years ago caused the United States to come fourth in the Gold Cup when this whole freaking tournament is set up (laughs) to have the United States and Mexico meet in the final. That is the only thing this tournament is supposed to do, and they couldn't even do that right. But Jamaica's got some very, very nice players. Andre Blake, one of the best goalies in the MLS, if not the best goalie in the MLS for Jamaica. I'm pretty confident he'll be their captain this tournament. you got Leon Bailey from Bayer Leverkusen coming over, one of the most exciting young players in Europe. you got Andre Gray from Watford coming over. He's just naturalized <laughs> Jamaican citizen, two calves, 30 years old. Yeah. He's totally a Jamaican. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you're born. <laughs> it matters where you, <laughs> where you can play. <laughs> you're not really representing your nation. Andre Gray, not Jamaican. Ch- che Adams, not Scottish. <laughs> uh, Doug, uh, wow. Diego Costa, not Spanish. <laughs> Diego Costa's Brazilian switched allegiance to, to Spain right before the 2014 World Cup and they lost in their first opening match 5 to 1. Is that a coincidence? I don't know, but if he was playing for Brazil, I fully expect that they would have had a little better tournament than Fred up top. Even though he had a very nice Confederations Cup in 2013, I think they would have been a little bit better with Diego Costa up top. But yeah, there's a lot of weird circumstances around uh nationalized like nationalities in regards to national teams, but man Jamaica does get around that sometimes. Like Bobby Reed playing for Fulham. He's English too, but he's playing over in Jamaica right now. We got like Kamar Lawrence is a very nice player. Very fast. Probably the fastest player in this freaking tournament. Plays up in Toronto. Used to play for the New York Red Bulls. Very fast player. And yeah, there's some good players on this Jamaican team that could upset some people. But I think second place, I don't think they'll have the same strength as Costa Rica Costa Rica always... It was, uh, not always, but they usually do fairly good in this tournament. Sometimes they'll ups, they'll be a little of uh, underachievers, I guess. But Costa Rica, again, being that third wheel in the top four of CONCACAF should be big. Now, Keylor Navas is not in this tournament. One of the best goalies in the world, in my opinion, is not going to be in this tournament. One of the most underappreciated goalies in the entire tournament. But Brian Ruiz is still there. <laughs> Joel Campbell... Is still there. For some reason, he gets a ton of caps. Well, not for some reason. I know why, because they don't have a lot of attacking talent on their roster. But, Keylor Navas not being there is pretty big. And he doesn't really play a lot of games for Costa Rica. He's had 93 caps, but how many of those have come after the 2014 World Cup? I would like to see that. Okay, he played quite a bit of games in 2018. I guess they had another World Cup in 2018. But, yeah. He's played two games. In the past two years i haven't seen him yeah the gold cup i don't think he played in the last gold cup either i could be completely wrong about that but i don't think he played in the 2019 gold cup right i gotta go double check this now because now i'm completely second guessing myself which is not, something you should never do you should always be very confident in everything you say but i don't think he did now i've got to find it costa rica right there four nothing versus nicaragua Yeah, he didn't play in that 2019 Gold Cup either. He doesn't really play that much outside of the World Cup for Costa Rica. Because, I mean, if you were one of the best goalies in the world, would you really realistically play in the Gold Cup? If you really didn't have a chance of winning it? I don't know. It'd be a really tough ask for me. But Jamaica should definitely finish second. Group B, simple. (laughs) United States, Canada. Canada, again, bringing some very nice players. Afonso Davies being the main one out of those very nice players. But Kyle Laren, who's had some very nice success over in Başakşehir over in Turkey since leaving the MLS in Orlando City. Junior Hoylette, very nice player, but he's not currently on a team right now. But nice player. Io Akinola, former United States one-cap, one-goal wonder, now is on Canada's national team for the Gold Cup. Yeah. They should come in second. Dane St. Clair, they have no experience in goal, a lot of, but I was, I, ooh, I don't know who will start and goal for them. Dane St. Clair is the starter for Minnesota United. Maybe he should start this tournament, but they've been pretty darn awful the start of this season. So I don't know if they, <laughs> if they should start him in net or not. But yeah, combined, the three goalies they brought have 10 caps. So I don't know who's going to start this tournament. I guess I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a rotational thing in this tournament. And then Group A should finish Mexico, top the group, nine points, no issues going on. I think in the United States, if I had to predict the winners of each group, like points-wise, Mexico nine, the United States will get like seven, because uh, they'll disappoint probably against Canada. Costa Rica, probably uh, seven. And then Honduras will probably have, I'm going to say six. Nah, seven, <laughs> a seven, 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 and nine. That's my prediction for the Gold Cup in those. And then it's gonna be tough. This is one of the more harder predictions. One of the more, one of the harder groups to predict. I think El Salvador will finish second in this group, but that's not. That's just like a guess. I, I'm not really putting a lot of thought process in behind that. I just think that's what's gonna happen. Uh, Curacao, they're a very intriguing team. They were in their first Gold Cup last time they were out. Uh, Eloy Room starter for Columbus Crew, will be in net for them. You got Coco Martino, who I think is going to be the captain for them this tournament. Uh, Leandro Bacuna is still there from the last tournament. But, y- yeah, I'm not really expecting a lot from them. Trinidad and Tobago, obviously the team that upset the United States and kept them out of the 2018 World Cup. Yeah, I'm not... This is a really hard group to see who comes in second. Mexico's getting all nine points easily. I bet the team that comes in second will have four. So... Yeah. I'm gonna say El Salvador, but I think it'll be tight. I'm gonna go like four three and zero. I don't know who's gonna finish in what places but four three and zero is what my prediction is gonna be well I guess that can't happen four three and one <laughs> that's my prediction for that because what they'll you'll win one tie one lose one so the other team will lose one lose I don't know we'll figure it out once the tournament starts but I think El Salvador will come in second in that group but that tournament will be kicking off on July 10th. The first game in the tournament is El Salvador versus Curaçao. So you got the big guns going up first. But then on Sunday, United States versus Haiti. In Kansas City, which will be very fun. I'm going to try and get tickets to that game for the United States and Canada on July 18th. Which will be very, very fun to see. Alfonso Davies versus the United States, basically B slash C team for this tournament. Yeah, the United States should come to the final I mean, Mexico will win this stupid thing. But the United States should at least make it to the final. This team's not, it's a very inexperienced team, but they should definitely be able to make the final because the Gold Cup is not a very difficult tournament to maneuver. It never, other than like one tournament, it's been a very easy going tournament for the likes of the United States and Mexico. The one tournament I'm talking about was obviously when the United States came fourth and lost to Jamaica. Knocked them out of the final. So, yeah, that's my predictions for the Gold Cup. It's going to be fun. Even though it's not the best teams in the world, the United States and Mexico will make the final, which always makes it entertaining, which always makes a sell out for the final, and big-time rivalries heat up during finals. So, yes, very excited for that. And that's all I've got for you for this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I guess I should probably check what's going on in the NBA Finals right now because the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks are playing game two of the NBA Finals, and the Phoenix Suns are up 88-77 to 77 right at the end of the third quarter. So you guys will obviously know the score of that game. I will not. Well, I mean, I'll know it, but not, not by the time this show is over because this show is ending fairly, fairly soon. So I hope you enjoyed the show. We're going to have some more NFL stuff, more draft stuff, hopefully coming to you on Monday. So stay tuned for that. We'll recap the tournaments as well come Monday as well, as we'll have the Copa America and the Euros wrap-up this weekend. So that'll be very fun to see. And yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show and I will see you all later. Peace.